Lord Jesus, we come and we gather to give you our worship. That's why we're here. We bless you and praise you that you are the lamb who was slain. You're the lamb who was slain and who was raised from the tomb and is alive today. I pray that we would experience your presence among us in a mighty way through your Holy Spirit here. As we come and open your word, we make our prayer, come Holy Spirit. We cannot understand these truths. We cannot see how these truths will, e- truths will shape our lives without your work, Holy Spirit. So come work deeply in us. And as we pray, come and transform us more and more into the glory and majesty of our Savior. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome to our home away from home, St. Andrews. <laughs> so glad. Amen. So glad that we can come. I want to give a big thanks to Emmanuel Baptist Church. I want you all to know it's been quite a journey the last couple of weeks, uh, looking for space amidst all the flooding. But as I said in the first service, the Lord didn't just provide manna for us. I believe he provided a feast. Amen. And so if you know people at Emmanuel, thank them. Um, They are so gracious and generous to let us have this beautiful space so that we can gather together again. And I'm not sure how long. Uh, but we're here and uh, we get to worship together. I would ask, be patient with us as we kind of learn our new digs. Um, we're, we're learning the new ropes. We're all new here. Uh, it might take a while to get used to my blue hair, but we can get used to that. It might turn red later on. I do not know. Um, but here we are. <laughs> well, if you've been with us the past couple of Sundays in this season of Lent, we are looking at, at one particular commandment. It's the fourth commandment, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, we're leaning into this because I would say that this is probably one of the most misunderstood, um, underutilized, underapplied commandments that we have. I think very few Christians, I would say in America in particular, know what it looks like and what it means to to honor the Sabbath day. That that there really is a 24-hour period in our seven-day week that we, as we looked at last week, Sabbath, Shabbat means to stop, to cease, stop from our labors so that we can rest and enjoy the fullness of the Lord. Last week we looked at it and and, and I've named it that this is part of of how we were created. It's part of our DNA to work six days and take take the seventh day as a day to stop. So what we're looking at as we lean into this in the season of Lent at St. Andrews is we're seeking to understand. And we're seeking to see how do we create habits, new habits, new rhythms in our lives where we really become a people who take a Sabbath rest. Now, I was reading this the other day. It was in, I don't typically read this journal, but it's the European Journal of Psychology. And they said that it takes 66 days to create a new behavior. And then others have gone on to say that it takes between 18 and 258 days to create a new habit. Now, I tell you that because... We're not just going to lean into this Sabbath idea, just these Sundays, this season of Lent. 
What I hope is that this, I don't know, lights a fire in you, in all of us, that we begin to see what it looks like every week to have a Sabbath rest. So I want to encourage you this morning as as you hear this message, as you see the weekly uh, devotions that come out on Monday on, on leaning into practicing the Sabbath, I really want to encourage you to lean into those and allow the Lord to show you what life is really like where it's not stressed out, maxed out, where you're not striving, running from one thing to the next, but that as you develop a Sabbath rhythm in your life, you actually realize, wow, my life isn't just looking different, it feels different. There is a restfulness, not just about Sunday, a Sabbath day, but a restfulness on all the other days as well. So that's what I hope we lean into as a, as, as a body together This morning, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, the second place that we see the Ten Commandments. And we're going to look, obviously, at the fourth commandment. But what we need to see is this. While the meaning is the same from the book of Exodus, when when we were given the Ten Commandments by the Lord, there's a different nuance with the fourth commandment here. Here's what I mean. In Exodus, when God gave the, the Ten Commandments, The Sabbath day, if you remember this, we looked at it last week, was framed in the context of creation. And so God says that at the end of it. Six days you shall work and the seventh day you shall rest. Now, that's part of creation that God worked six days and he rested. He stopped the work on the seventh. And what we see in that from the the Exodus commandment is that that's part of our rhythm as well. As God did that, we are too. Well, this morning we're going to see in Deuteronomy, the Sabbath commandment is not framed in creation. It's framed in the context of deliverance, freedom, and rescue. Let me read it again and you'll hear what I mean. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. You see that? It's in the context of deliverance, of rescue. You see, what God is reminding the Israelites is, remember, you were enslaved in Egypt. Remember what that was like. Remember, you got no day off. You worked seven days. You worked day and night. You worked till you went home and you fell asleep and you woke up the next morning and you started making bricks again. And you started building things again. That was their life. God rescued them out of there. And gave this gift. You are not your work. You were not created to wear yourself out. And so he gave a day of rest. And that's what we see in the context here of freedom and deliverance. In a sense, it's the reminder of God saying, look, remember what it was like and don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to slavery. But friends, I will tell you, as it was for the Israelites, so it is for you and me today, 
we all go back to Egypt. Every single one of us are prone to go right back to that vicious cycle of work, 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 work. Do more, be more, accomplish more, acquire more. That's kind of like life here, isn't it? But in this passage, God has something so much greater for you and me. So there's two things I want to look at as we unpack verse 15 in particular. The first is this. We're going to look at what hinders us from living as truly free people. Because I would gather for many of you this morning, you really don't know what it's like to really be free. So we're going to look at what hinders us from being free. And the second point we're going to look at is how do we lean into and live out of the freedom that God has given us? So let's first look at this. What hinders us from living as truly free people? Well, I think it's this. There are a number of reasons, I'm sure. But I think a big one is this. It's that many followers of Jesus have no paradigm of what freedom really looks like. I mean, do you have a paradigm of what what real freedom in the Lord looks like? I'm reminded that, you know, Following the Civil War, when many blacks, when the black slaves were were emancipated, they were set free. But do you know what so many of them did? They went back to the plantations. They went back to their masters. Do you know why? Was it because they liked being slaves? No. They had no idea what freedom was like. They'd never tasted it. Slavery was all they knew. And so they went back to what was known and comfortable for them. You know, when I think about that, I think about that is so true for so many in the church today. I think so many followers of Jesus live the exact same way. We come to faith in Christ. We we submit ourselves to him. We, We know that we've been set free from the power of sin, but we so quickly turn right back to our sinful habits. We turn back to things that that enslave us. It's almost as if the chains have been broken, but we've gone back and picked them back up and we wrap them all around us all over again. When I think about that picture, I'm reminded of Jacob Marley. Remember Jacob Marley and Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol? Listen to what he said. Pretty telling. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I gathered it on my own free will, and by my own free will, I wore it. Now I am doomed to wander without rest or peace, incessant torture, torture, and remorse. You see what he said? I made the chain link by link. I wore it. I put it on. You see, God has set us free. But the temptation for us daily is to go back and we wrap those chains all around us. I read this the other evening and I think it's very true. The vast number of Christians live in regular defeat. I wonder if you can identify with that this morning. I wonder if that rings true for you. The vast number of Christians live in regular defeat. I think it's because many Christians have become shackled to their past sins and failures, and we put those chains all over us. You see, friends, here's what we need to understand. Even though we've received Jesus as Savior and Lord, we know what he's done, we find ourselves, and I would say probably daily, striving. Striving to be accepted, striving to be loved, 
We're driven. We're driven to produce. We're driven to acquire. We're driven to accomplish. It's like our life is a life of striving in so many ways, and many of us don't even realize it because it's become such second nature to us. But it's how we live. We go and we go and we go. We do, we do, we do because we want to try to be fill in the blank. I think one of the reasons why we do this is because we're ultimately trying to find an identity. We're trying to know that, that whatever I'm doing, I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm valued, I'm worth something. You see, that's slavery, not freedom. That's bondage. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, these words, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I want to say that again because we need to hear that this morning. Paul wrote, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let me ask you a few questions about this. I wonder, what have you become enslaved to lately? What are those things that you've become enslaved to? Is it for some as simple as the American dream? (laughs) I I see all this stuff and I want all this stuff and so I'm I'm pursuing it all. But in the midst of it, not even realize that you're putting more and more chains on you. Pursuing something that is not freedom, but bondage. So what have you become enslaved to lately? Second question is this. What have you allowed to place a heavy burden on your life? You walking around with a heavy burden? Where's that come from? Could it come from the expectations of others? (laughs) That you're living trying to earn favor with them or, 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 or hit their high standards? Maybe your kids and you're, you're, you're trying to meet the high standards of your parents and all of that. Well, we're never going to meet expectations of one another. <laughs> I've lived long enough trying to do that. And if you meet one, there's going to be someone else whose bar is going to be over here. And we're never going to meet it. Where have you been living out of a yoke of a heavy burden? The well, last question is this. What have you attached yourself to that you think will bring you value and worth? However you answer those questions, I think they'll give you insight into ways in which you've been living in bondage instead of freedom, with chains on instead of free as the Lord came to do is to set us free. You see, in the fourth commandment, God invites us to rest. He invites us to cease, to stop, not just our vocation, but I believe it's to stop all of our striving to stop all those things we're striving to do and to be. The invitation on the Sabbath day is to stop. Do you know why? Because God has set us free. And to have a day, 24 hours in the week, where you are thinking about the reality of, I have been set free, and you're meditating on that, and you're feeding your heart and your soul with God's word uh, of the freedom that we have in Christ, Friends, I will tell you, when you wake up on Monday, it'll be different. (laughs) When you wake up on Thursday, there are going to be a few more chains that are on the ground because you're beginning to live into and understand more of the freedom 
That's what we find in giving ourselves to this fourth commandment. So with that, let's look at the second point. How do we learn to live out of this freedom? What does that really look like? Well, we see it in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, the first three words. If you've got your bulletin, you can look at it. We read, you shall what? Say it louder. You shall. You shall remember. That is crucial as people who are going to truly live out of the freedom that is ours in Christ. We're called to remember the Exodus. Now, yes, we remember the Exodus that the Israelites were brought out of what God did in that miraculous, mighty movement of freedom for his people. But we need to remember that that Exodus points us to a far greater Exodus where God didn't just deliver us from the hand and the slavery and bondage of Pharaoh. God delivered us from a greater enemy. And on the cross, this is why we need to remember this. In that second exodus, on the cross where our Savior Jesus hung to pay the price of your sins and mine. There was a battle going on in that moment, friends. The mighty outstretched arm and hand of God was at work defeating Satan. Everything worldly looked like Jesus was defeated. But we know the story in that Exodus that through his death, there was resurrection life. And because there is resurrection life, friends, there is freedom through the grave. Amen. So you need to see and I need to see the ultimate freedom is the freedom of truly chains being broken because of what Jesus has done for us. We need to remember that. Not just celebrating it on Easter. But we need to remember, I believe, every day and especially every Sabbath that God is a God who sets captives free. Remember. You see, I'm sure the Israelites remembered when they reflected on this how many bricks they had to make every day. I'm sure they remembered how unbearable that labor was. But what about for you? What about for me? Remember what it was like when you lived for the approval of other people. Remember how oppressive that addiction was. Remember that. Remember how exhausting working an inordinate amount of hours in the week was. Remember how exhausting it is to try to earn favor with your mom and your dad. Remember. Because when we remember... It makes the glory of the cross so much greater that in our remembering, what we find is we actually begin to give thanks and gratitude wells up in our hearts when we remember. Now, there's something I think about remembering that we need to hear this morning. As I've been praying about this morning and this message, what God would have me say in in this particular passage, one of the things that he's laid on my heart There are a lot of things that we're held captive to that hold us in bondage. But friends, I think there's something that's so great for many of us in this room. And that's the bondage of past sin and guilt and shame. You want to talk about oppression? It's living under the weight of shame and guilt for things that we did 10 years ago. Even things that we did five hours ago. 
So many of us live under that oppression, but I want you to hear this message right now. The forgiveness of Jesus is real. It is real and it is for you. It is for me. I want to read these words over you. It's Psalm 103. In particular, I'm going to read verses 8 through 13. Would you just receive them? If you wrestle with this, if this is a struggle, if there's a a heavy weight of burden upon you from things that you've done in the past, you need to hear that you've been set free. You are forgiven. Here's what we read. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. What I want you to hear in that passage is the steadfast love of God for you. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that much. As far as the east is from the west, he has forgiven your sins. Friend, you are free. You are forgiven. The invitation in this is to come and rise up as people who are truly forgiven. That's what it looks like to live as a people who honor the Sabbath. That we know that we've been delivered and set free and we stand forgiven, covered in the grace of God you will find that you will walk so much lighter with so much more joy when we realize this. And so the invitation for us today is to come and remember. Take 24 hours, friends. Yes, a day, a day where you step back from all of the other stuff. Name the things that you've been striving after. Lay it before the Lord in repentance And then receive his mercy and grace and let gratitude well up in your heart. You'll begin to see how that changes every other day of your life. So as I wrap up, I'm going to name these four practices that I said last Sunday and the Sunday before. Just to help give you a a, a pattern, something to live into as you begin to practice the Sabbath. Stop. Stop your work. Stop your striving, lay it before the Lord, rest. Give yourself the grace of rest, delight. Delight in the Lord, delight in your friends, delight in your family, delight in fun things that you like to do. It is not meant to be a burden, it's a gift. And the final one is contemplate. Contemplate how good the the Lord is. And you'll begin to see a renewed joy and freedom in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the power of your word, that it really does, if we allow it to, transform our lives. Father, thank you for this gift of Sabbath. I pray, Father, that as we we begin to step into it, as we begin to untie the bow of this gift, that we would begin to see how glorious it is to honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
So show us, give us an imagination for what that looks like. Jesus, may you lead us into your true rest. We pray this in your name. Amen.